in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17, it's the story of David and Goliath, one of the most familiar, coolest stories in the Bible. And I don't know if you ever noticed or not before, but there's a word that's used several times in this chapter to describe Goliath. And the first time it's found in 1 Samuel 17, verse 4. Look at verse 4 with me. It says, there came out from the camp of the Philistines, and here's the word, a champion, named Goliath of Gath. He was called the champion. If you jump down to verse 23, 1 Samuel 17, 23, it says, as he talked with them, here it is again, behold, the champion, the Philistine Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before, and David heard him. And then again in, in verse 51, again it says, when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And then, uh, so, so those are the verses. Uh, so Goliath was called a champion. And by man's standard, he was a champion. I mean, the guy was huge. I'm sure he had battle scars that he had fought and won victories. So he was, according to man's speculation, the ultimate person of strength and human power and conquering other people. Well, look at out of verse 16, it says this, for 40 days the Philistine came forward and took his stand morning and evening. And let me just set this up for you um, a little bit. The, uh, the Philist Philistines were an enemy of God, and they were fighting against the Israelites. And we'll, we'll look at just a few minutes about, about where they were fighting at. But Goliath would come out every day and, I guess to say, talk trash <laughs> to the Israelites. And I'm sure he was strutting around, showing his muscles, calling them names, making fun of them. And he was just, just belittling them. Uh, but he was defeated by somebody that was more, of a champ, more than a champion. And so we're going to talk about how he was defeated and how we can defeat the giants in our lives. Some of you today are facing a giant called financial pressure. Some here may be facing a giant of marriage issues. Some people may just be struggling. You're feeling defeated. You're feeling beat down. Some of you are struggling with a sin. The Bible calls it a besetting sin. It's the sin that anytime the devil wants to trip you up, he can use that sin and he's got you. The one you have a hard time saying no to. The sin that you give up for a while, but it seems like you come back to it. God wants to give you victory over that sin. Some of you have health problems. You're facing a giant of health problems. Some of you may be facing a giant of strained relationships. Maybe you have an adult child that your relationship right now is strained. Truth is, we're going to all face giants, but we can defeat those giants with God because with God, you're more than a champion. Amen? Goliath said he was a champion, but, but David became more than a champion. So we're going to talk about how did David defeat Goliath? How did he become more than a champion? So let's pray, and then we'll jump in today. Father, thank you for this day. This is the day you've made, and we rejoice in it. Thank you for your word, how it challenges us, it encourages us, it lifts us up, and I pray today as we see how David walked with you and defeated this champion, that we would be able to gain some encouragement, gain some knowledge, gain some wisdom about how to defeat the giants that we're facing. In your name we pray, amen. So as I was saying, the Philistines were an uh, were a, uh, enemy of Goliath. They worshipped a god named Dagon. I actually have a picture of the uh, God they worshipped. And so the God they worshipped was called Dagon, D-A-G-O-N. And that word comes from 
D-A-G, which means he was a fish god. Now, the Israelites lived not too far. They were dwelling not too far from the Mediterranean Sea. And so these people that lived by the Mediterranean Sea, it was kind of natural that the god they would choose would be a fish god. Um, kind of like a male mermaid, I guess you could say. Kind of looks like a male mermaid, doesn't it? Um, also, they also worshiped, Dagon was also associated with grain or harvest. Do you remember when Samson, the story of how Samson took the foxes and tied their tails together and set them on fire and had them run through their fields? That, that was a real insult to them because they worshiped the God of um, the, the harvest and the fields and so forth. Well, look at verse number 2 in 1 Samuel 17. It says, And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah, uh, the valley of Elah, and drew up, drew up in line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the other side, and the Israelites stood on the mountain on the other side of the valley between them. So I think we got a picture of this. This is the actual, this is the actual valley of Elah. And you can see the valley in between, and you can see the mountains there. And so the Israelites were on one side on a mountain, camped out. And then the Philistines were on the other side of the mountain, camped out. And they, they were going to come and meet in the middle to have their battle. Now, I don't know why they stood there 40 days. I, I think maybe that if they felt like if they came down to the valley that the other, the other enemy could shoot them with arrows and just do them in because they couldn't get up to them. I'm assuming that's why they did not try to attack. But anyways, they were in the mountainside across from their enemy with the valley of Elah in between. And in verse number four, it says this. Then Goliath again, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. This great champion, he would come out every day and he would shout across the valley insults to the Israelites. He was huge. He was over nine feet tall. I don't know how tall this is. It's probably about his, he might brush his head on these beams right here. I mean, he looked down on Shaq. You think Shaq is tall? He looked down on Shaq. He was huge, over nine feet tall. And look at what he carried for his weapons. Verse 5, he had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. So he had all this armor on. And they say that it was about 200 pounds worth of armor. So just his armor weighed 200 pounds that he carried around on himself. So huge guy, strong guy. Verse number 7 talks about his weapon. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam. Now why did they say that? Back in those days they would weave... Uh, cotton and so forth, the different uh, textile things. And they had a big, thick beam that ran across as they were doing the weaving. It was called the weaver's beam. It's known to be very thick and tough and hard. So they made that comparison that his, his uh, arrow was like a weaver's beam. It was thick and it was strong. His spearhead, just the spearhead, weighed 600 shekels of iron. It was, it was estimated that his spear was 12 feet tall. You got a guy nine foot tall carrying a spear that is 12 feet long that is a serious champion right there I guarantee you now look at verse number eight he stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel here's what he said to the Israelites he's standing on the valley shouting at a cross standing on the mountainside shouting at a cross at the Israelites he stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel why have you come out to draw up for battle am I not a Philistine and are you not servants of Saul Choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight 
with me and kill me, then we'll be your servants. But if I prevail against him and will kill him, then you will be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. So every day he would come down and he would shout that out to them. He would challenge them to come and fight him. It was kind of like, okay, we're going to fight. And whoever wins, your, your army wins. And so it was like one-on-one, the, 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 champ, the, the winner of that is, is the champion for all the army. And he would come down and he would talk trash. Any of you ever like to watch, my grandfather used to call it wrestling. I'll never forget as a kid growing up, on Saturday mornings, I'd help my grandfather out in the yard and work and stuff. But then when it came to about, be about 10 o'clock, we had to go inside because the wrestling was on. And some of you may remember, remember Hulk Hogan, Nature Boy Ric Flair, Rowdy Ronnie Piper, Andre the Giant, <laughs> and they'd be walking, they'd be talking trash. You know, they'd get up there on the microphone, these wrestlers, and they would talk trash about the other person. And uh, so that was kind of what it was like. Goliath was like a big, huge, nine-foot wrestler that was shouting out and talking trash to the Israelites. Now look at verse number 11. When Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. <laughs> when they heard this guy talking trash, they were scared. And Saul was especially afraid because he was really the one that was supposed to go out and fight. As the leader of the nation, really Saul was the one that should have been going out and fighting Goliath, but he was afraid. You know, I can't blame him for that as you think about what an enemy it was. Can you relate sometimes? Are there people that shout uh, into your ears into your head and they, they belittle you. They say you can't make it. They say you're not good enough, you're not strong enough, that you're weak, that you're insignificant, that you don't matter. You ever heard those words? Like Goliath shouted to the Israelites. You ever heard those words that scare you? A doctor's report? Or that there's going to be a layoff at work? Or your spouse saying they don't love you anymore? Or that phone call that comes in the middle of the night. Or that phone call that says there's been an accident. And so it's scary. There's times in life where we hear scary stuff, don't we? It's like the enemy, our enemy is shouting stuff to us and is, we are afraid. Now look at verse number 12. This is when David enters the picture. This kid, was he a great warrior at the time? No. Was he a great leader at the time? No. He was just a shepherd boy. Verse number 12, now David was the son of an Ephratite of Bethlehem in Judah named Jesse who had eight sons. David was one of eight sons. And if you remember, the, uh, the, the priest came to try to choose who would be the next king. And he went down through the line, through seven of the brothers, none of those qualified. And he said, you got anybody else? These seven are not going to work to be king. Do you got one more person? Because his father really had not even mentioned him because he thought he's just a kid. But he said, yeah, I, I do have one more child named David. And uh, he's out taking care of the sheep. But here's the deal. David was chosen by God. Chosen by God. He was not the tallest. He was not the best looking. He was a shepherd boy. I love this verse in Psalm 78, verse 70. If it's, I believe it will be up there. If not, man, look at this verse sometime in the Bible. It's amazing. Here it is. It says, God chose David his servant 
and took him from the sheepfolds. God didn't choose the strongest or the tallest. He chose just a kid named David who was just faithfully taking care of sheep in an insignificant job. And he said, come here, I got something big for you to do. And you know, listen, you may feel like David. You may feel like, I don't know if I can really do anything for God or I don't think I have the abilities. I can't sing. I don't have great administration abilities. I don't know what I can do for God. I want you to know you're just who God's looking for. You are the person he's looking for. Just someone that's serving him faithfully back where nobody maybe sees, and you're serving him faithfully. That's who he looks for. And so if you want to defeat the giant in your life, remember, first of all, that you are chosen. God has chosen you. You are his child. He believes in you, and you can do great things through him. It says he was a servant. That goes together. He wasn't from the palace. He wasn't from the king's courtyard. He was just a servant, taking care of sheep, faithfully serving back where nobody else was watching. And, of course, we know that he was chosen as king because he was a man after God's own heart. God doesn't choose the qualified. Listen to this. God doesn't choose the qualified. He qualifies the chosen. Do you get that? Hey, if he calls you to do something, he's going to help you. Where he leads, he provides. Where he guides, he provides. And so if God's asking you to do something, he's going to provide for you. He's going to lead you to be able to do that. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says this about you. It says, but you are a chosen people. You've been chosen by God, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Just like David was chosen, you've been chosen by God to be his servant and to declare his glory to the world. And so you've been chosen. He calls the willing, not the most impressive. You know, the Israelites were God's chosen people. You know what the, somebody said, you know, the Eskimos are God's frozen people. <laughs> hey, I got a few laughs. We'll tell that one again. But God has chosen you. Look at verse 13. The three oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to battle. So the three sons had went to the battle. The names of the three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, Next to him, uh, Benadab. Don't you love those names in the Old Testament? And the third, Shammah. David was the youngest. The three, elders the three elders followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Now look down at verse number 16 again. It says, for the 40 days the Philistines came forward and took his stand morning and evening. And so 40 days in a row, Goliath had came out strutting, talking trash. Daring them to come and fight him for over for 40 days. That's a long time to be in stalemate there, isn't it? But he had done that. Now look at verse number 17. And Jesse said to, his, to David his son, Take your brothers and ephah of this parched grain and these ten loaves and carry them quickly to the camp to your brothers. Also take these ten cheeses of the commander of their thousand. See if your brothers are well and bring some token from them. So Jesse said, David, come, you're out, come here out of the sheepfold. Take your brothers some food, find out how they're doing at the battle, and then come back. So verse number 19. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah. We, we saw that picture of that. Fighting with the Philistines. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took provisions and went as Jesse had commanded him. You know, if you want to defeat the giants, not only do you have to be chosen, but you have to have character. I try to always use C's when I start with things that are different. So if everything starts with a C, that's why. Character. 
David had character. Look what it says. It says he got up early. And he, uh, he took care of the sheep, made sure they were taken care of. How many of you like to get up early? How many of you, how many of you are morning people? You're the ones that get up and go, good, good morning, Lord. How many of you are not morning people? You get up and say, good Lord, morning. <laughs> I, uh, I told my, one of the pastors I served with, I said, I'm going to name my, I told him I'm naming my bed the word. Because when you call me early in the morning and say, are you up? Oh, yeah, pastor, I'm in the word. <laughs> I'm in the word. <laughs> I'm in the word. But David had character. He took care of his sheep. He took care of his job. And if you want to be more than a champion, you got to have character. If you're going to be more than a champion and defeat the giants in your life, first of all, you got to know you're chosen. And then you got to know that you have character. You know, I believe that... Uh, David was ready for this battle because of what he had done back when nobody was looking. He was practicing all the time. And he reminds Saul that, hey, I killed a bear. I think we've got a picture of a bear up there. I killed a bear. It's not coming up, huh? Okay, just use your imagination. A big, huge bear came and tried to attack his sheep, and David killed him with a slingshot and everything else I guess he had there. Didn't have a gun, obviously. He killed a bear. That's a big deal. Anybody here want to fight a bear? Man, not me. Not me. He killed, he killed a bear. Um, you heard about the, the guy was out hunting, and uh, he looked, and all of a sudden this huge bear was there, and this huge bear began to charge him. And his gun got jammed. It wouldn't go off, and so he just got on his knees as this bear was coming up to him, and he said, God, please make this bear a Christian bear. God, please make this bear a Christian bear. And the, lion, the bear slid up. And stopped and said, thank you, Lord, for this food that I'm about to eat. <laughs> a Christian bear. But David killed a bear, a big bear. That was tough. And then it also, he said, hey, I killed a lion. And I guess our pictures aren't coming up for some reason. That's all right. God killed a lion. Just imagine a big, huge lion. How many of you have been up close to a lion, like at a zoo or something, heard it roar? Whoo, Powerful. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was invited to go to South Africa to speak at a conference, kids ministry conference there. And while I was there, they said, do you want to go to a lion safari? I said, yeah, man, it'd be awesome. If, well, if you're in Africa, you got to see some lions, right? So I went there, and uh, it was this huge, big place, and they had these really tall, tall fences with barbed wire and electric fence and all that good stuff. And uh, what you did is you got in your car, and you just rode out there. And you looked at these lions, and they were huge. I wish I had the picture to show you, but they were huge lions. And before we drove out there, he said, the guy that owned the place, he said, oh, there we go. My wife got mad because I was petting this lion. She's going to eat you. It's just a baby. It's just a baby. But uh, got out there. <clears throat> Excuse me. He said, before you go, I got to tell you this. Before you drive out there, do not, under any circumstance, roll your window down. He said, because the bears, I mean, the lions may come in and try to get you. He said, two months ago, there was a lady that came in here. I told her, do not open up your window at all. And she didn't listen to me. She went out there, and she rolled her window down to take pictures. And a lion snuck up on the side of her car, went in the window, and drug her out and killed her. I was like, sir, you don't have to worry. My, my, my window is not going down any. You can, not even an inch. It's got to go down. And so here's a picture I took of this. We've got the, the other picture of the lion. Here's a lion. This is, I took this picture from the car window with the window rolled up. 
I think we can get it. You got it? There we No, the one after that. Can you get it? It's worth the wait. So I snapped this picture. I snapped this picture in the car just four or five feet from this lion that was circling our car. Yeah, no? I'll keep, I'll keep waiting for it. One, one cool thing was while we were there, all of a sudden, this horn blew at the other side of the compound, and all the lions jumped up and started running for that noise. There you go. I took that picture out of the car window that was rolled all the way up. Can you imagine facing that thing? You know, I'll tell you this last part of this. So they did this horn, and all the lions jumped up, jumped up like little puppy dogs and ran down there, and that's, they were feeding them. They were throwing over the fence just a huge, like, parts of a wildebeer or cow or whatever it was, and those lions would grab those big pieces and eat them. But just think about that. I mean, that was, that was sort of scary for me. But what about being David and something like that coming up on your sheep and having to kill that? Man, that takes some courage, doesn't it? And I got to think he spent a lot of time practicing with that slingshot. A lot of time. Because he knew what he was going to face. He had character. When nobody was watching, he was practicing with that slingshot. When nobody was looking, he was back there killing those bears, being faithful, having character, and following what God had asked him to do. As a shepherd, he faced lions and bears. But he had no idea that God was training him to fight a giant. And now David can look back and know the same God who delivered him would deliver us now. David knew that God's help in times past was a prophecy of his help in the future. So he had character. He had a character. You know, slingshot won't sling itself. It takes people. God uses people, and he protects us. So it says he left the sheep with the keeper. He had character. And then look at verse number 20. And he came to the encampment as the host was coming out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the, and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. And so here he is. He's, he's come up here to deliver this food for his brother. And he's right in the middle of a battle getting ready to take place. Verse number 22. David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. As he talked with them, behold, here he comes strutting. Behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. So David gets there trying to take care of it, give his brothers food and stuff and see how it's going. All of a sudden, he hears this massive, booming voice. It was Goliath, and he was screaming out that challenge. And David, how did David respond? It says all the men at verse 24, all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. His brothers all ran. Look in verse 25 what David said. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who come up, has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king, here's, he said, here's what's going to happen if somebody could defeat him. The king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. In other words, he was saying, you won't have to pay any taxes ever again. Wouldn't that be, that's quite a prize, isn't it? Never have to pay the IRS again. (laughs) He said, you won't have to pay any more taxes. If you beat him, whoever beats him, they'll get my daughter's hand in marriage. They'll give him great riches and they will never have to to pay taxes again. Sounds like a pretty good deal. Except for, except it was a giant you had to defeat. And so Saul was desperate. He offered this reward, hoping that somebody would take him up on it and go out and fight Goliath. Look at verse 26. And David, who's he's hearing all this for the first time, David said to the men who stood by him, what's going to be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? 
For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way, so shall it be done to the man who kills him. You know, David, David, he, 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 he believed in the honor of the king. And he wasn't going up there to fight just because he would be cool or everybody would clap for him. He really did care about God's name being upheld and he cared about the king and the title, the position that was a place of honor. Verse 27, the people answered him in the same way. It'll be the one that kills him. And so David was committed. He was chosen. He had character. And he was committed. I mean, he was going to go. If he's going to go out there and fight, he, that's what you call going all in, right? <laughs> You're putting your life on the line. He was that committed to God's honor and glory that he said, I will go. Verse 28. Now, Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption, the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. His brother was upset at him. His brother was calling him prideful, basically saying you're worthless. And you'll have times where people will come to you and they'll say that you're worthless, that you, why are you here? They'll question your motives. But you know your heart is pure and you want to bring honor to God. Your motives will be questioned. And I love this phrase here in verse 29. It says this. And David said, what have I done now? Look at this. Is there not a cause? Then he turned from toward another and said the same thing. The people answered him as the first ones did. David said, isn't there a cause here? Man, God's glory is on the line here as far as people are seeing right here. Is there not a cause? Is it not worth going out there to fight for, against this giant and defeating him for God's glory? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? God's glory is a cause. And when you defeat giants, it's not for your own glory. It's for God's glory. Are you committed to the cause of God? Say next of all, if you want to defeat the giant, you're going to have to be courageous. Courageous. You got to be chosen, you got to be called, you got to be committed, and you're going to be courageous. Verse 31. When the word that words that David spoke were heard, he re, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. He had courage. When everybody else was afraid and running, he had courage. He showed courage. This shepherd boy showed courage. There's going to be times where you face giants and you're scared to death. You're afraid. You're scared to death. But God is with you and he will give you the courage that you need. My uh, youngest son and I, we went to, a few years back, we went to a camp out in Northern California. This camp was for, for fathers and their sons to go together. It was a wonderful experience. But one day during the day, they would do, we would do rope courses and all this good stuff. Really tough stuff to do. One day, I'll never forget, they took us down to this ropes course and they had this, the best way to describe it is a telephone pole. It was basically a telephone pole. They had this telephone pole, and they had uh, handles, and you had to climb all the way up the top of that uh, telephone pole and just, and just stand on the top. I mean, you're talking like a 12-inch circle there, and it was tough. Now, you had, the good thing is you had a uh, thing to catch you. If you fell, you had something to catch you. So, you know, if you did slip, that they would be something there to, to hold you, like a security rope. But it was hard, man. I got up there, and it was like, woohoo! it's tough. And then they had this other rope, or this other bar, excuse me, about five feet out in the air. 
and you had to jump off the top of that pole and go out and grab onto that bar and hold it, and then they would let you lower you down. But like I said, I got up there, even though I knew there was something holding me, a, a security thing, it was still scary. And we, uh, we had a guy with us, that, a, a father that was with in our group, and uh, he climbed all the way up there, and he got up there and he just froze. He got scared to death, and he wouldn't jump. <laughs> even with the thing holding him, he was scared to jump. So we all got down there, and we're like, come on, man, you can do it, you can do it, come on. And he said, I'm, I'm, I can't do it, I'm scared. We said, okay, let's count to three, and then you jump, okay? And he said, okay. So we'd count one, two, three, and he, would, he just sat there. <laughs> For like 10 minutes, we kept counting one, two, and he wouldn't jump on three. Finally, after a long wait, he finally jumped, and he made it. And we were so happy for him. But there's going to be times where you're going to feel like you're scared to death. And God's telling you to do something. He's telling you to jump out there and do it. I mean, it's scary. And you don't feel like you have the courage to do it. Maybe it's a, a, a task he's asking you to do. You feel like you don't have the courage to do it. But I would say, man, just jump. God's got you. If he asks you to do something, have courage and jump out. Maybe God's calling you to start a, new, a business. And you're, you're afraid it's not going to work, but jump out there. God protects you. If God calls you, you can be courageous and know that it will happen. Saul said this. Basically, the good news is that someone's finally going to want to fight Goliath. But the bad news is it's, bad news is it's just a little shepherd boy. <laughs> you imagine Saul, man, now finally somebody stepped up to the plate and said they would fight Goliath, but uh, it's just a little shepherd boy. Look at verse 33. Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For you're a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. Basically what Saul said was, David, you can't do this because he he's, he's been fighting longer than you've been alive. He's been in battles longer than you've been breathing air. He's the champion. He's been a soldier longer than you've been alive. How in the world are you going to defeat him? Here's the deal. Saul was looking on the outside, but what he needed to look at was on the inside, right? Physically looking, it seemed there was no way that David would beat that big of a guy. Just didn't seem humanly possible. But David saw past that, and he saw that with God he could have the victory. Now look at verse 30, 34. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard. Can you imagine that grabbing that lion or that, that hair of the, bear, of the bear? Caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, listen how courageous he is. David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. He said, God gave me the victory over a lion and a bear and he's gonna give me victory over this giant. All this stuff I've been going through was, prepar was preparation to fight this giant. And some of you, you've been going through some stuff. It's been tough. You feel like you're fighting lions and bears. But listen, God is just using all that to prepare you for something big he's got for you. He's building your courage. Here's what you need to have. This is a new word we can make up. You don't need to have confidence in yourself. You need to have Godfidence. 
Catch that word? That's what we need to have is confidence. I can't do this in my own strength. I can't do this in my own power. I can't overcome this sin in my own power, my, my strength. I can't take this step God's asking me to by myself, but with God I can. And because of God, I can have confidence and I can have courage. I can have courage to do what he's asked me to do. Everybody else is thinking, Goliath's so big, you can't beat him. David said, Goliath's so big, I can't miss him. I can't miss him in my slingshot. He's so big, how am I going to miss him? Look at verse 38. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I can't, I can't go with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. So Saul tried to put all this big fancy armor on David, and David said, I can't fight with This is not me. I'm not a sword armor kind of guy. I'm a slingshot kind of guy. And I, I, I can't fight while this on me. Saul, again, was just seeing a physical fight. He was looking at it through man's eyes. If you're going to fight a giant, you've got to have armor as well. But David was looking past that and had courage to know that God would use what he'd always used for him, a slingshot. Didn't fit. And by the way, don't try to be somebody else. He didn't have to be Saul. Saul wore armor. David said, I'm not, I'm not, I don't wear armor. Don't think you have to try to be somebody else that you're not. God, called you, God made you unique and special. There's nobody like you. And he's got a job for you to do. God didn't look down and just say, hey, I better find something for you to do there. No, God had a job for somebody to do, and he made you for that job. And so walk in that confidence. God has given you the armor to defeat the enemy you have the armor of God. You have the belt of truth. You have the breastplate of righteousness. You have the shoes, the gospel of peace. You have a shield of faith. You have a helmet of salvation. You have the sword of the spirit. You have prayer. All these, uh, these, these uh, uh, armor that God's given you, he has given for you to have the victory. You can't see them physically, but we're looking beyond that and seeing spiritually. Verse 39. It says, then David, or <clears throat> he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook. And put him in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand. And he approached the Philistine. You know, somebody said, you know why he chose five stones? Because Goliath actually had four brothers. And he figured if I take out Goliath, if I need to, I'll take out the other four. So again, he was walking in confidence. So here we go. We're getting right into the battle right here. Verse 41. The Philistines moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. Goliath also had a shield bearer that went in front of him and helped carry some of his stuff. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, am I a dog? And if you look a little bit deeper, the word dog there, it was a term that was used to describe uh, male homosexual prostitutes. That word dog there, that's what, that's what that meant back then. You were a female homosexual prostitute. And, and the, the Goliath is saying, you're, you're, you're sending this kid out here, you're questioning my manhood. You send somebody weak like that here? You're questioning my manhood. Are you saying I'm not strong? I'm not a man's man, a champion? That you come to me with sticks. And Philistine cursed David by his gods. He cussed David out. The Philistine said to David, come here. I want to give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beast of the field. He said, you're cursed by my gods. Look right here what it says. Then David said to the Philistine. Then David said to the Philistine. I wonder if David had a... Uh, uh, kind of a whiny voice. Remember when you go through puberty and your voice 
begins to change. And you get real high all of a sudden. You remember that? You're talking, oh, you're to get high. I'm wondering if Goliath had this big booming voice. I'm going to do you in. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to feed you the birds and the animals. And Goliath, I mean, David was like, oh, you think that you are going to, but I don't know. Then David said to the Philistine, look at verse 45. You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I'll give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. David knew the battle did not belong to him. It was God's battle. God's battle. And I don't know, David, he was courageous. Maybe, I think maybe he had an aspiration to get ahead in life. They didn't get that one. They didn't get that one. <laughs> Joe, David wanted to get ahead in life. Oh, there we go. I had to say it, had to say it twice. Verse 46. Listen to David and his courage from God. And all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. I love, don't miss that, that last, last uh, phrase here. We'll give you, he's telling Goliath, God's going to give you into our hand. He didn't say my hand, he said our hand. He's not fighting by himself, God's fighting with him. You're not by yourself. God's fighting with you. It's not you. It's our. God will give you the victory. It'll be our victory. So know that God's with you, and it'll be your victory together. Therefore, I love this verse. Listen to this. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that shows us, slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Listen to this. We do this, we run the race, we live the Christian life. It says, listen to this. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Look what it calls Jesus next. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. There is a greater champion than Goliath, and who was it? It was Jesus. It was God. So David was able to be more than a champion because he was walking in God's strength and God's power. He endured the cross, discarding its shame, and now seated at the place, the honor beside God's throne. And so here's the next one. If you want to defeat the giants, you've got to have a spirit of, I'm going to conquer. I can conquer with Christ. I'm called, I'm chosen, I'm committed, and I'm going to conquer with God's help. Look at verse 48. Here we go. Here's the battle. Verse 48. When the Philistines arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly to the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. Now it says killed him, but if you notice it says there was, it goes on and says this, there was no sword in the hand of David then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him. So really, if you look at that, the rock didn't kill Goliath because it says he took a sword and killed him. You can't kill somebody that's already dead, right? And so David took the sword and killed him and chopped his head off. It says this, it says, when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. 
He killed with the sword by cutting off Goliath's heads. I, I often thought about it. <laughs> I bet there was a lot of money lost that day. You can't help but think there was a couple guys on the side of there going, okay, I got 200 on Goliath. How much, how much you want to, I got three bets on, Dave, three bets on, I don't think anybody would have voted for David. I bet all those guys had voted for Goliath and had all that money they were going to win and they lost all the money. I don't, that's not in the Bible, that's just my speculation. But there were some guys gambling on who was going to win and they, they lost because they were looking at it through man's eyes. I love this verse as we wrap up here. Romans chapter 8 says this. Now in all these things, Romans 8, 37. Great, we got that one up there. It says this. Now in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Can I just encourage you today as we wrap up? You're on the winning side. You are on the winning side. And no matter what you're facing, no matter what kind of Goliath is breathing down on your neck, you're on the winning side. We've already read the last chapter. We win. <laughs> Amen. You're on the winning side because God is on your side. So I don't know today, again, what kind of giants you're facing. I know there's some in the room that are facing giants. But just be reminded that God has chosen you. You're his child. Just like he chose David out of the sheep field, he has chosen you as his child. He says, if you want to be a champion, have character. Give God your very, very best. And be committed. Stand strong and be faithful when nobody's watching. And then be courageous. Have confidence. And then know that through Christ, we can conquer the giants. Again, just to remind you that the Bible says in Hebrews 12, because we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that trips us up. Let us run with endurance. The race got to sit before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates, perfects our faith, the champion. You can be more than a champion.